morning. We passed to David. I felt so sorry for him. I called him during the week. Thank you, Ben. That was a really good time of praise and worship. Let's give us give them a hand as they go. <clears throat> and Pastor David, who uh, for those who who haven't caught up on the news, um, Pastor David is, as you know, moving on. He is. I said, "What are you doing?" So, so he's like re- semi-retiring, but helping other lo- country pastor churches, ch- pastors in country churches who need to have a break. So he's going to go in there and and take over their services uh, when the need arises. So, so that's awesome. But we really want to honour him next week, and so I really encourage you to come next week in preparation of really honouring Pastor David. I know that. I've spoken from this pulpit before, but I know that he has been instrumental in pastoring many of you and uh, and leading this church ever so well. So we really want to honour him next week. So come, come ready to be able to, you know, celebrate with him. That would be really good. We're going to pray as we come around the word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have one to come into the house of God and worship you. You are so good. You are so worthy, O oh God, and we honour you today. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive and it's active. And I pray this morning that as I come around your word, Father, I pray that, that revelation will come into people's hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take my words, O oh God, Lord, and anoint them. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray that that we would be doers of the word as we hear the word today. God, it would not only tickle our ears, but Father, rather, Lord, we'll be filled with faith to go forth, Lord, and extend the kingdom of God through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to share on shine, don't blend. Shine, don't blend. When I was bringing up, we were bringing up the kids uh, as they were growing up, one phrase, there were a few phrases that I said constantly, but one of the phrases that I always said to the kids, whether they be uh, on the way to school, they were going with friends, wherever they were, I would always say, kids, I want you to shine, don't blend. I want you to shine out, don't blend. So when you're attacked, when you're getting teased or when there's conversations that you know are not good, when there's criticism, I want you to shine. I don't want you to participate in those conversations. I want you to show love. I don't want you to blend like everyone else. And so from this day, I still say to them, I want you to shine. I don't want you to blend. And uh, that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to shine the light of Jesus in this world and not blend in to the world and we've got to we've got to do that one because God says for us to do it but secondly it's the only way the world's going to see there is a difference in within us than everyone else you know light is uh, interesting I've got some props here but light uh, is an object that shines in a dark place and we must to for light to work in these lights here, in the screen behind, there's a chemical called phosphor. And what happens is phosphor is energised, an amber light that when, it, it's, uh, when it's sort of a light hits it, 
it energizes and it begins to shine. So we have a, some of you might have watches uh, that glow in the dark. Have you got that? No, so, some of you have. That's phosphor. Those, those that lights up is phosphor. Any watches that you have, your phones, TV screens, they have this chemical called phosphor and it's energized and it begins to glow. Phosphor is in anything that lights up pretty much. And we know we can't go in the world, we can't go in life without lights. Light is a big part. Let there be God, when God created, let there be lights. Let it be light. And he spoke light into to the world. And we see that as for Christians, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we are to shine the light of Jesus that is in within us to all those that are around us. The world is continually watching us as Christians. Would you agree? As soon as you say something, as soon as you do something, that is what, what they think is not good Christian talk or good Christian behaviour. They're quick to remind you, aren't you a Christian? Because there is an expectation that we are different from the others. The Bible says that we are like aliens. You know, we carry the light of Jesus. And so darkness and light don't go very well together. When, whenever you, if this room was totally dark, as soon as one little light comes in, it literally glows the whole area. And uh, there are many, uh, there are many things of lighting instruments, but I want to display a couple to you. Now, we can be like candles that glow in the dark, right? And with a candle, really lovely, but it's not a very strong light. It's a very slow burning ambient light. It's very good for where I go around me. Sometimes if it's dark room, it will have a little bit of a glow extended around it. But eventually, actually, it dies away. When that wax is gone, it's gone. It's dead. You can't relight a candle. You can try, but you'll get nothing out of there. The wick is gone. It's dead. And so are you a Christian who is like a candle? Just enough for you? And one other beside you that you glow, right? So we have a candle. Or there are those uh, Christians who have the, the uh, flashlight. You're a sinner and you need to be saved. When are you going to get saved? Shine in the light of people's eyes. And it's so annoying. It's so distracting. And it's just terrible having a light in your eyes, isn't it, Dean? Dean event, don't look to the light. But anyway, it's, and you see some of those, you're a sinner, you need to get, and it's so off-putting. Don't be a flashlight Christian, right? It's off-putting. You scare people away. You don't draw them closer. Or are you the Christian that really should have a constant glow Wherever you go, your path is being let, lit. And so wherever you talk to, they see the light of Jesus through you. And so much so that they can follow you because you are you, your path is lit. And so you are bringing people out of darkness into light. And it doesn't go off. And if it does, get into the word and reignite it. 
right? Let the love and the light of Jesus continually burn alive in your life. So that's the sort of light that Jesus wants us to be. Wherever we go, not when we get to work, oh, get that light off. I don't want them to know. You don't ask too many questions. Or I can't do what I really want to do because they'll just, you know, you're supposed to be a Christian. So let's have a light that's continually shining before us and upon us. I better take this out just in case. Just in case. The torch light is the better approach to have a constant light in our lives that wherever we go, we light up the room. Whoever we speak to, we bring the love and the life of Jesus into their lives. So what kind, what kind of light are you? Are you the candle? Are you the flash light? Or are you the torch? We are called to be light in this world. Daniel 12.3 says, And those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. That's a constant shine. That's a constant light. The word for light is the same word for star. And we are to be people who constantly shines like stars in the night. That has a constant shine. A constant. We don't, we don't blend in, but we stand out. That we shine. That we don't become like them or behave like them, act like them. You know, when I say them, then them, it's those who don't know Jesus. We are to be lights into their worlds. So I want to go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says, how we can shine our light. Philippians 2, 14 to 18. And this is Paul speaking here. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or laboured in vain. Yes, if and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So I want to back it up a few chapters before and, and see where Paul is coming from and where he's writing this from and what he's been saying to the Philippians, uh, the Philippians people in the Philippian church. Paul is writing this letter at the moment from his prison cell. So he's been put in prison, uh, accused, preaching the gospel, and so they've thrown him in prison. They're really worried because that's their leader. Paul is the one who's been teaching them and guiding them, teaching them the scriptures, helping them, showing them how to live a life full of abundance, how to live a life that is like lights shining wherever they go. But now they are in distress because they get a, get a letter from Paul who's in prison. Well, what good is he in prison to us? What are we going to do now? Who is going to lead us now? 
Who's going to teach us? And so you can imagine the, the, them being so distraught in knowing how, what's going to happen now. Our leader's in jail. That's not good. And Paul is, sees that and hears about that. And so he writes them a letter. His first letter says this. It says, I want you to be partners of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to partner with me. Not just about me. It's us partnering together. I want you to know that even though I'm in prison, it's actually turning out for my good. You know, there are people in the prison that I'm able to share Jesus with. There's a Roman centurion. They're all intrigued about the gospel of Jesus. They've never heard and they're all, they're like just wanting to know more and more about Jesus. So don't be upset for me. It's working out really good for me. But he knows, I know that what you're thinking there. I know that you are distraught because I'm not with you. But you actually don't need me. But there are a few things that I want you to know how to act in living. And he says, I want you to be humble. If you read chapters 1, Philippians, he wants you, I want you to be humble. I want you to be loving. So he's teaching them from the prison cell how to become, how to be. I want you to serve each other. You know, the greatest example is Jesus who served mankind to the point of death upon a cross. I want you to... Act like that. I want you to be like that. So now we're up to this verse that I just read. And Paul tells them why we should live in this way. Because the world is watching. As they watch our lives, we are not to blend, but we are to shine. The difference should be a big difference. So much so that they appreciate the difference, that you're not like the gossiping other colleague in the room, that you're not bagging the boss, that you're not behaving in a way that is up one day, down one day, up one day, down, that is consistent. You know, we are to be people who shine. Now, there's no, like, part-time Christian. <laughs> you're either on or you're off. Right? You know, there was a woman, and I know when I'm going to share this story, you see yourself, oh, yeah, I've been there, I've done that. Oops, looking down. So I'm not going to look at anyone in particular. But there was a, there was a, a, a man driving, and he, uh, he's at stoplights, and so waiting for the stoplight to go, and there's a lady behind, and she's waiting, and the light goes green. So she toots her horn. Who's done that? I must say I've done that. You're like, just, because they're just distracted and she noticed his head's down and she's obviously looking at his phone. So she toots again and uh, he still doesn't put his head up and it's green. And you know when you go, oh my gosh, I want to make it through these sets. Of I don't know, I want to wait another two or three minutes. And so she's tooting and, and he hasn't moved. And then he puts his head up and realised it's gone orange and so he speeds through. And so by the time she moves, it's red. He's been there. How frustrating is that? Well, she was irate. So she, <laughs> she starts winding her window down. She's a Christian lady. But anyway, beside the point, she winds her, her, her window down and she's 
making signs outside with her hand. She's yelling. Her body action is just tooting mad. She's pouncing on the steering wheel. And she is so mad that this guy never allowed her to go through. All of a sudden, she realised lights behind, flashing. Police officer gets out and goes, excuse me, ma'am, can you please get out your car? She's like, what have I done? Nothing. Come back. She stopped at the stoplight. And he goes, you need to accompany me to the station. So I've done nothing wrong. It was the man before who, who did everything wrong. And so you arguing with me, ma'am? No, 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 I'm not arguing. So he went to the station and uh, he asks, wants to see her licence and all these details and has her in the room just, you know, churning over and she's like going, what have I done wrong? I did nothing wrong. Like, just confused. And then he comes in and he goes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I just worked out that you are the driver of the car. And she says, of course I am. She goes, well, when I saw your actions and your hand movements and I could actually hear you screaming and carrying on. And then I looked at your bumper bar and it says, do what Jesus will do. And then it had a fish sticker on the, on the back window. I thought someone had stolen the car and I thought you had stolen the car. We, someone's always watching. Someone is always watching. We've all been there. You know, there is always someone watching. Paul states some of the obvious ways in shining and on blending in, in this scripture. 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this, 2,000 years ago, when he wrote this from a prison cell, he describes the, wor uh, the world as this. Verse 15, crooked and perverse generation. Poor, it's still the same. It's probably worse. Nothing has really changed, Paul. Things haven't got better. They're still crooked and they're still perverse and they're pretty bad. So the Greek word here for crooked is a word that you would all be familiar with. is scolio, scolios. And it's the word for scoliosis, which is the curved uh, spine. Uh, it's a disease, it's a, it's a condition of a bent spine, it's a crooked spine. And that's where the Greek word is coming from in a crooked world. Paul is saying the world we live in is morally bent, spiritually deformed and unable to support the weight of life. And the second word that he uses here, one is crooked, the second word is perverse. And that's sort of the same thing, but a little bit different. It means to twist and to turn. We live in a twisted, morally contorted world and a perverse world. Jesus said the same thing when he was on earth. And he said in Matthew 17, O oh, faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Twisted and perverse. When we see the world as lost as it is, we see the world through the eyes of Jesus, twisted and perverse. Nothing we know much has changed. You, you turn the news on now. It's My dad used to say, I'm going to go and watch the bad news now. Literally, that's bad news every night. Do you know, 
that in this century, 100 years, the last 100 years, not before, this last to date, 150 million people have been killed in wars in just the last century. That's more than any of the centuries which preceded our last century. You know, in America alone, according to the FBI figures, there is a murder every 35 minutes, a rape every six minutes, and a robbery every 14 seconds. Thank God we live in Australia. That's the world we live in, crooked and perverse. We need to look at it through the eyes of Jesus, the attitude that Jesus, one of compassion and one of love. In verse 15, Paul says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The Greek meaning here for blameless is deserving of no criticism, free from fault and free from defect. There is nothing more annoying than meeting or meeting someone who behaves in a manner that is disturbing. <clears throat> Acting, behaving with faults. Now I know we all have faults. I always say I'm a work in progress, but I'm, I'm trying to work really hard to become more and more like Jesus. You know, it's, it's shining and it's not blending. As the scripture says, shine as lights in the world. Paul's saying, Matthew 5.16, Matthew says this, says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify not you, by your Father in heaven. Why? Because Jesus is shining through you. It's a relationship that we have, horizontal, but works out parallel through us. There is no such thing as a secret disciple. If you are a secret disciple, you're an ugly disciple. Yep, I said it. Because you behave one way in church and another way, it's not good. It's, it's wrong. And so I know that you're a work in progress. No, I'm not, you know, I'm just going, it's not attractive. Be one. Bible says either you're hot or you're cold. Don't be lukewarm because you get spewed out. There are lost people in this world looking for people of kindness, of love, who will help them out of their dark times. We had to shine the light of Jesus. Bring them out of their distress. Bring them out of their hopelessness. Bring them out of their sin. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when Jesus left, he left the Holy Spirit to help us to live that life. The life that Jesus showed us how to live. Jesus said to his disciples, he turns them in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, he says, he's saying to his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do, the light, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. You let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Think of it like this. The sun and the moon. The moon reflects the sun. It should never be obscure from the sun. It should never not reflect the sun. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But now that he's gone, you are, we are the light of the world. Sometimes the only good message that people are ever going to hear, for some the only Bible that they're ever going to read is your life, is, a, is what comes out of your life, what comes out of your mouth, what the behaviour that you demonstrate. So don't block the sun. Don't be a, an eclipse person, right? Reflect the sun. So how do we do that? Application, how do we do that in this crooked and perverse generation that Paul so says? Well, there's many ways of doing it, but I'm just going to give you a few. One, stay close to Jesus. How do you stay close to Jesus? Having a daily relationship with him. When I married Mark, right, I didn't have the wedding go, that was a fabulous party. I love that party. Thanks so much. See you later. We might cross paths sometime. But that, thanks for the party. No, no. We lived together. I got to know things about him. He got to know things about me. And as we grew older together, you think that the love that was in the beginning was greater. But I'm falling more and more in love with him as we get older together. You see, as I stay close, my kids sometimes will go, that's what dad does. I'm like, I know, been living with him for 26 years. Some things rub off, right? And so as you become close to Jesus in your relationship, it rubs off. You become more and more like Jesus. There's so many products that we know that the light shines through. You know those glow sticks that people in, in uh, festivals or with the kids, I've tried to grab one, but you crack them and you put them near light and then they glow. Um, and so that's the phosphorus which is in there that causes that light to, to glow for a while. I remember we had one of those glow sticks and uh, Rachel's here somewhere and we, she was swinging one and you know, swinging and playing with it. You know they're not, I wasn't watching her, bad mother parenting moment, and it went, snap, and the light went into her eye. The glow went, so her eye was glowing. <laughs> and uh, luckily there was someone who was nearby with a bottle of water and we just flushed it out. But it was interesting to watch the glowing eye that uh, was a bit dangerous, but it was eventually we washed it out. You see, that's that phosphor that is in those, those light, that ambient, that causes that ambient light to glow for a long time. Jesus doesn't want us, our eye to glow. He wants our whole body to glow. We're close to him. We will glow Jesus through our lives. There's two things that we must do, lots of things, but two things that I want to focus on and how we can shine and not blend according to Paul's words this morning number one you need the right attitude verse 14 says do all things without complaining and disputing 
We all know what it means to complain. We've done it, right? The word here for complaining actually means to mutter. Oh, like, you know, so make me so mad. That's what complaining is. Sometimes we think complaining is talking to someone and complaining about the other person. But the actual meaning here is when you know when something, someone's done something can, or, you know, your partner said something, done something, and you're in the kitchen and you're going, maybe it's just me. They do all this. They don't appreciate me. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Kids do that a lot. Kids, when they're growing up and you tell them to go and do something in their room and they go to the room, <laughs> and you call out, what did you say? What are you saying? <laughs> you know, we all have done it. Or am I the only one? We, we've all done the muttering thing. And it's really annoying. Have you, have you ever been in a place and the person walks away, you've had a conversation and something, and some things you know that you, they haven't really liked what you said and, and you, they're walking away and they don't even realise that you're still standing there and they're going, I shouldn't have done it. You know, you go, excuse me, hello, I'm still here, <laughs> you know. It's annoying, it's horrible. Don't mutter. Don't do it. Paul's saying don't do it. It's actually not attractive. Why would anyone be attracted to you if you mumble? The second word here, it says disputing. And it's when you take the grumbling, the butter, to vocalise it out. It's that switch where you go from to, oh, you just really annoy me. You doing that always really annoys me. And the last time, and you bring it out into a conversation. Paul says it's ugly. It's horrible. Just don't do it. It's not attractive. You're disputing. You're becoming argumentative. I don't know about you, but I'm terrible with conflict. I always pass the buck. No, you do it, Mark. No, you talk to him. <laughs> I don't want to. I hate conflict. I hate it. Like Mark and I, like, we just don't argue Really, because I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I don't like conflict, you know. And it's good to have those discussions because you work through things. But I've never been, I've always shied away from conflict. And you know, in life, sometimes you can't run away from conflict because sometimes it's part of your job. Sometimes it's part of resolving a relationship issue. Sometimes it's clarifying something that someone misunderstood in what you said, and so, but it's always horrible when there comes that. And Jesus says this, he says, you know, like, look at that woman, that, that her display in the car, it wasn't attractive, the, there was two different messages from her stickers to what, how she became, disputing, arguing. Jesus said this, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. A dove is pretty harmless. The servant was considered as shrewd. Why is that? Sometimes as Christians we flip the roles and we go be wise as a dove and about as harmless as a serpent. But Jesus is saying, no, be humble, be harmless as a dove but be wise as a serpent. It does no one any good. Some people just will always continue an argument because they have to be right. 
Mark would always say, being right sometimes is overrated. To lose a friendship, what for? You've said it, you've put it out there, you leave it to Jesus. So having the right attitude, number one, makes you attractive when you have a right attitude in the world where everyone else is doing it differently, saying it differently, right? Their words are different. You don't swear. You don't criticise. You don't murmur and mutter. You, you just pull yourself away from the room. Yes, they will talk about you and go, oh, you're not inclusive or whatever. But you know what? When something happens, they'll actually come to you because they know they can trust you. You weren't in the staff meeting talking about the other staff member. So you become attractive, someone that can come to. Number two, you need, Paul is saying, you need the right actions. You shine not only with the right attitude, but you shine with the right actions. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or laboured in vain. Paul here, he's referring to having a good grip on the truth of the gospel, that it bleeds out of you, that love, compassion, patience, goodness, faithfulness bleeds out of you. Attractiveness bleeds. The word is bleeding out of you because you walk and you sound like Jesus would and has and does every day. So much so that you can't contain it. You can't just know the word, but you need to show it. You need to share it. You need to speak it out. We shine in the dark by living out our words as well as our actions. Romans 10:14 says, "How then can they call the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? He uses us. Now you go, oh, but I'm not an evangelist. I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to witness. I don't know what to say. Just be a Christian. Just be kind. Be loving. Share your testimony. It's powerful. Word of God said it's powerful. Tell them how you got out of a dark place in your life. Tell them of something that you came across that you struggled with, but through prayer and through your relationship with God, you came out of them. Tell them about those experiences. You may, know not, you may not know scriptures by heart, by memory, but the word should be in you through your actions, through your speech. It's really easy. Be kind. Do something in an active way for those who are around you. I, I'm... Unfortunately, I don't have the privilege unless I put myself out there to be in a, in a place. I work with mostly all Christians. <laughs> the, all the staff are Christians. It's okay. 
I, uh, so I don't work in a workplace that I have to witness to them. Sometimes I do with Mark, but mostly they're all Christians. So I have used my community of my neighbourhood where I can be the light of Jesus in their lives. Now, I don't go there and say, okay, it's time for Bible study now. I go there with a meal. I go there. Can I, I notice that I haven't seen your husband around. Is everything all right? I, I go there with asking with a concern. I, I cross the road. I take the plunge of when they're out getting their mail. And if I happen to be there at that time through the study, I'll go, oh, there she goes. So I go out at the same time. Hi, Jan. How are you? Go over, have a conversation. Because it's those times that you're able to shine in their world. It's those times that a meal ministers to those. I think I've shared to you that we've got our neighbour next door who's, who, who's literally on death, death, death's door. And um, I've been able to share the gospel with him and really you know how that started it started by me just bringing a meal bringing some soup over is there anything I can do for you is anything that Mark can do for you that's all I did it wasn't Mark going over it was me I bring things bring biscuits bring meals sit chat how are you and it was out of that loving action that has enabled he's enabled me to pray with them to share with them to know about there is an eternity, are you right with God, right? To the point where he said, do you think your husband will do the funeral for me? Absolutely, I'll bury anyone, you know? And so what is that? Because I went next door, because I took time out to do something, to show action. So it's a little thing. You don't have to know, John 3.16, You don't have to know the whole passage of Romans. It's good to know, but you don't have to. It's shine Jesus in a verbal, attractive way and in action way. Having the right attitude and having the right action. Paul states this in verses verses 17 and 18. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering of sac- on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul here is, is referring to in the day that they do a sacrifice, they would pour wine over the sacrifice. It was a sacrifice, it was a pouring out. He's putting, he's saying to them, putting it to them, I want you to start to see it as worship. You shining is worship to Jesus. You being attractive is shining to Jesus. Not the buff body, attractive in your words. Your actions is worship to Jesus. The Bible says when you do it unto one, you're doing it unto me. When you bring a meal or you have a conversation, you are attractive to Jesus. You are worshipping him in that. Don't look at it about yourself. See what you're doing. You're doing it unto Jesus. And this was a symbolic act. I'm pouring everything into this. I'm not holding my life back to myself. Paul is saying, all of you start shining. All of you be light bearers. All of you 
have your attitudes adjusted. All of you need to see that it's part of worship to God. It's a whole reason that the gospel is here is for us to live it out. Gives us the whole new reason to shine and not blend. Say it with me. We're going to shine and not blend. I want the music team to come right now in closing. And I want to share one last story with you. And I want to, you know, whenever, I, you know, we talk about being a light, being shining, being attractive, being, and you'll hear a lot about Emerge, you know, even our um, mission statement on our website is being about attractive. Mark's not referring to being strong and buff. Is that the life of Jesus comes out of us, that we become attractive in wherever we are. Sometimes I love, on, on our day off, I love to sit and just watch people, you know, and just see who, who needs to hear, who needs a conversation. I'm not shining the flashlight and going, ah, here they are, here she is, here she is, let's get her, let's get her. You're a sinner and you need Jesus. No, no, that's wrong. That's off-putting, but it's this. It's this. Shining. It's different about you. Why don't you go and get drunk with all of us? It's different about you. Why don't you participate about what we were saying about Sally? Why have you ever said anything about the boss? And, and I've seen how he's treated you. It's shining, isn't it? Shining so much that you lead them out of darkness. You become the light. There was a very tragic accident. A car accident occurred when a, co a carload of teenage kids were struck by a train and killed. You know, that night at the crossing, there was a crossing guard on duty and it was his job to walk to the intersection, knowing when there's a train coming, and to wave his lantern to tell cars or oncoming, oncoming traffic cars if there's a train coming. So he was his job to pretty much. It's not going to work, is it? It's probably his job to pretty much warn the cars that were coming. There's a train coming, you need to stop, right? So he's out there and he's waving the lantern to warn any cars. This car collided with the oncoming train and they're all instantly killed. He was actually put on trial for neg negligence and homicide. On that witness stand, the guard was asked this question, were you at the crossing the night of the accident? Yes, I was. Were you waving your lantern? Yes, I was, sir. Long after the trial, he, the, the crossing guard was overheard confessing, I'm glad I was never asked if there was any light in my lantern. Because the light had gone out. There is a dying world out there. If we're not shining, who's going to shine? 
Carlo died because a crossing man didn't keep his light burning. There are people going to hell. People lost without salvation because there's no one to tell them. And I don't know, for many of you, you've been sharing the gospel for a long time. And to the point where they said, just don't tell me. I don't want to know. Do you know what? Still keep shining your light. Because it may not be you who leads them to salvation. But it's certainly you who's sowing the seed. It's certainly you that God can use to get someone else to come along this path. 